Hola, this is Raquel, and you're listening to the Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas. Hi, everyone, and welcome once again. I'm Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas. It's Sunday, June 11th, and this is your Sunday sermon. We're continuing in our sermon series called Getting There, and we're halfway through at this point. Once again, the whole idea behind this series is to look at the ways we can make forward progress in our spiritual walk. In other words, we want to become more mature Christians. Today in part five, we'll be looking at Proverbs 22, verse 28, and several verses from Psalm 119 as we talk about protecting your boundary markers. There's a lot to talk about today. As we always do, though, we stop and pray right now. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for this amazing opportunity we have to study from your word today. Teach us, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. I've got a test for you today. I'm going to give you certain common phrases, and I want you to think about whether or not they come from Scripture. Here's number one, the first common phrase, Scripture or not, to the victor go the spoils. As much as that might sound like it's scripture, it is not. It actually came from Senator William Learned Marcy. He was talking about the victory of Andrew Jackson in the election of 1828 when he said that. Next up, can a leopard take away its spots, scripture or not? The answer is absolutely scripture, Jeremiah 13, 23. How about this phrase, the apple of his eye? You would be right again if you said scripture, Deuteronomy 32, verse 10. How about this common phrase? There is no peace for the wicked, or there is no rest for the wicked. Again, we're on a roll. Isaiah 48, 22. How about this? The phrase, a heart of gold. Scripture or not? Well, I'll give you partial credit on this if you said yes, because Proverbs 17, 3 speaks of refining our hearts like gold, although it doesn't say specifically a heart of gold. Number six. God helps those who help themselves. A lot of people think this is scriptural, but it's not. It actually comes from Aesop's fables. It literally says, the gods help those who help themselves. Next up, number seven, can a blind man lead a blind man? Scripture or not? It is scripture, Luke 6, 39. Well done. How about this one? Money is the root of all evil. You really have to look closely at this one because sometimes we assume there's words in this sentence that aren't there. It sounds a lot like it comes from 1 Timothy 6.10, but the verse literally says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And folks, if we're candid about it, sin is actually the root of all evil. So no, that statement is not scriptural. Next up, number nine, a house divided against itself will not be able to stand. This is true. Actually, it's Mark 3, 25. Though many people identify this statement with Abraham Lincoln, it is definitely from the gospel, Mark 3, 25. How about this? I have kept the faith. Scripture or not? Absolutely it is. 2 Timothy 4, 7. How about this one? No man is an island. Scripture or not? If you said no, you'd be right. This is a line from the famous poem, No Man is an Island, by John Don. Next up, number 12, the statement flies in the ointment. Scripture or not? It actually is. 
Ecclesiastes 10.1. It says, dead flies in perfume make it stink. And lastly, number 13, in the twinkling of an eye, scripture or not? Yes, it is. 1 Corinthians 15.52. Now, the goal of this exercise was to help you realize two things. Number one, first, there are many common biblical phrases in society. And number two, there are times when people quote certain phrases mistakenly believing that they're actually in the Bible. Now, that may seem innocent, but I found that when people replace God's thinking with human reasoning, they often end up so warped their theology and lives are not on the same plane any longer. For example, I've known people who not only believe the Bible said God helps those who help themselves, but they used it to justify some very unchristian thinking and behavior, such as they would avoid giving to the poor because God helps those. They would explain why they didn't pray very often because God helps those. They would even engage in dishonest and abusive business practices because God helps those. And they were quite comfortable with helping God any way they could. And David recognized the danger of this tendency. Open your Bible or Bible app to Psalm 119. Listen what David writes in verses 5 and 6. He says, Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. Then I will not be ashamed when I compare my life with your commands. A little while later in verses 10 and 11, it says, I have tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And then again in verse 24, Your laws please me. They give me wise advice. What David was telling us was that if we want to live the right kind of life, we need to hide his word in our hearts because wrong thinking is based on wrong information, while good thinking and good living is based on good information. And God's word is the best information you can get. Back in the early 1600s, the Catholic Church put Galileo on trial for heresy. Do you remember what heretical concept Galileo was accused of? He said the earth circled the sun. But the church of his day taught that the sun orbited the earth. Why did the Catholic Church believe this? Not because of scripture. The Bible never taught this. And that wasn't really why the church of the day believed this falsehood anyway. So where did they get the idea? Well, they believed that the sun circled the earth because that's what Aristotle, an ancient Greek philosopher, taught. Why would they build their theology on the teachings of an ancient Greek philosopher? Well, by this time in European history, people were not considered educated until they were educated in, quote unquote, the reasonings of Greek and Roman philosophers. Frankly, knowledge of scripture just wasn't sufficient for someone to be considered intellectually superior. So because the church of the day felt the best education was based on human reasoning, they accused Galileo of heresy in spite of the fact that Galileo staunchly believed in the Bible. About 20 years before he was accused of heresy, Galileo wrote a letter to a Benedictine monk who was also a pioneering scientist of the day. And in his letter, Galileo wrote these words, The Holy Scriptures cannot err, and the decrees therein contained are absolute true and inviolable. Let me note here that while the Bible does not teach that the sun orbits the earth, it does teach that the earth is the center of God's creation. I just recently read an article that described a conclusion certain scientists who believe in the Big Bang Theory had arrived at. Based upon their research, these scientists arrived at a conclusion they were not very comfortable with. This is what they found. 
they found that our galaxy is the origin of their Big Bang. In other words, according to the scientific information they accumulated, they have arrived at the inescapable conclusion that our galaxy is the center for the entire universe. Pretty neat, huh? Amazingly, that sounds a lot like what scripture teaches us. Now, let me repeat, wrong thinking is based upon wrong information, while good thinking and living is based upon good information. And God's word is the best information you can get. Jesus prayed to the Father for us in John 17, 17, when he said, Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Essentially, Jesus is telling us that the Bible you hold in your hands is truth. The Bible is like an ancient boundary marker. It marks the beginning and ending of truth. So what is a boundary marker? A boundary marker or a landmark is something that establishes the boundaries of your property. Back in the days of ancient Israel, those markers were stones or trees. If you had a dishonest neighbor who wanted some of your land, they might move those stones. That's why the Lord commanded Israel in Deuteronomy 19.14, When you arrive in the land the Lord your God is giving you as your special possession, you must never steal anyone's land by moving the boundary markers your ancestors set up to mark their territory. The Lord reiterated this again just a little bit later, Deuteronomy 27.17, Cursed is anyone who steals property from a neighbor by moving a boundary marker. And we see this again in our scripture today, Proverbs 22, verse 28, which says, don't cheat your neighbor by moving the ancient boundary markers set up by previous generations. As I was preparing this sermon, I found a Supreme Court brief online. It described a boundary dispute between two neighbors. It seems they had been friends at one time, and back in the 1960s, they worked together to plant a hedgerow between their properties, which they both took care of. But one day they got mad at each other and they tore down the hedgerow and one of them put up a chain link fence on the other neighbor's side of the property line. Then he moved the boundary marker so that it would appear the new fence was on the property line. Now, how did that get all the way to the Supreme Court? Well, the offending neighbor claimed two things. Number one, his neighbor hadn't cared when the fence went up. And number two, his neighbor had not complained in the proper time. You see, what the neighbor who'd moved the boundary marker had done was called encroachment. He had built something on his neighbor's property that didn't belong there. But the legal system says that if someone does that to us, we have a limited amount of time to complain about it. Ten years to be exact. If we don't complain within the set amount of time, the damage has been done and we lose the right to that part of our property. Now, how does this apply to what we're talking about today? Protecting your boundary markers. Well, as I just said, the Word of God is our boundary marker. It's our landmark of truth. It marks the beginning and the ending of truth. And the boundary marker of God's Word protects us. Turn once again in your Bible or Bible app. Let's go back to Psalm 119 and read verses 5 and 6 again. This is what it says. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. Then I will not be ashamed when I compare my life with your commands. And let's look again at verses 10 and 11. They say, I have tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. As long as we stay within the boundaries of God's word, we will avoid many of the harmful things in life. Things like shame, guilt, and personal loss. We'll protect our reputations and our families. And we'll guard our relationships and our business ventures. God has set those boundaries to protect us from all kinds of difficulties in life. But those boundaries can be encroached upon. In other words, they can be trespassed upon or intruded upon. I mean, just because God put those boundary markers there doesn't mean that something or someone is not going to move them. 
God's wisdom can be pushed back and something else can be put on that property or built on that property that doesn't belong there. The Bible is very clear that it's up to us to make sure that this doesn't happen. Now, how can those boundary markers be moved? How can they be pushed back? I believe there's two ways. Here's the first. We can do it ourselves out of willful disobedience. I've heard people say before, I know that that's what the Bible says, but I just don't want to do it that way. And they say that because God's word can be uncomfortable to obey once in a while. For example, I heard some presidential candidates one time say something like, I believe in God, I believe in the Bible, but I won't let my beliefs dictate government policy if I'm elected. What those candidates are saying is, I want to become president, but I feel uncomfortable with God's boundary markers. Or if I become president, I won't necessarily obey God. Does anybody else besides me see the disconnect here? That candidate is basically saying, I know what the Bible says. I just don't want to do it that way. And it doesn't just happen in politics. It happens in churches. I've seen elders and preachers look the other way when a relative or a friend has engaged in flagrant sin. It happens in homes where husbands and wives break up their families because they're not happy with each other, even though they know that God hates divorce. It happens to parents who are afraid of hurting their children's feelings, so they allow their kids to do whatever they want to do with whomever they want to do it, and they know that that behavior is contrary to Scripture. A good leader, a good elder, a good spouse, or a good parent knows where the boundary markers are, and they make sure they lead their people inside those boundaries. So that's the first way the boundary markers or landmarks can be moved. We do it ourselves. The second way, I believe, is we can allow the markers to be moved by negligence. In other words, we just didn't pay attention when the markers were moved. It wasn't our fault. We didn't move those landmarks. Somebody else did. When this happens, it's like the man whose neighbor encroached on his property. The fence was put up, the boundary stone was moved, but he never bothered to have a survey done. He never bothered to check where the boundary marker should have been. And by the time he did, by the time he complained, the damage was already done. All kinds of things try to encroach on the boundary markers God has set in our lives. Many years ago, from 1966 to 2002, ABC had a comedy series called Spin City. Michael Boatman, the actor who played a homosexual activist, said comedies are perfect vehicles for controversial subjects like homosexuality. In an interview with TV Guide, Boatman said the best way to slide these controversial issues under America's doorstep into their living rooms is to have them start laughing first. Suddenly they find themselves, if not accepting new ideas, at least more willing to talk about them. Do you get what's going on here, folks? This is done on purpose. Boatman and others like him deliberately try to change the boundary markers. They come into your home through the internet and social media platforms, TV programs, medias, and popular books. But they're not the only ones who are trying to push back God's influence in our lives. People we work with, relatives, and friends can do the same. When they find out what you believe, they'll be incredulous. They'll mock you. They'll make fun of what you stand for. They'll try to shame you into abandoning the boundary markers God has set in place. And you'll be tempted to back off, to let them change the standards because you don't like the ridicule. And that's not uncommon. The tendency is to allow something or someone else to encroach on God's boundary markers in situations like that. I mean, it's not like we deliberately intend to disobey God. It's just that someone else has set the boundaries for us, and we let them be set that way because we're afraid of being mocked. And when that happens, it helps to remember that God's people have often been mocked. 
In fact, Jesus himself was mocked, ridiculed, and made fun of while he hung on the cross for your salvation. So don't negligently allow someone else to encroach on God's boundary markers because you fear being made fun of. It's important to make sure you know where God's boundary markers are and to make sure that they're not moved. But how do I make sure that I know where they're at? Well, David tells us, look again at Psalm 119. This time we're going to look at verses 12 through 16. Starting with verse 12, this is what David says. I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. I have recited aloud all the regulations you have given us. I have rejoiced in your laws as much as in riches. I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. In these verses, David says that he is filled with rejoicing and delight because of God's word, and he will not neglect it. It's kind of like having a garden out in your backyard that you really enjoy working in. If you neglect it, it's going to be filled with weeds and crabgrass, and eventually it's going to die. But because you delight in that garden, you don't neglect it. You're constantly working so that you can have a crop, the one that you desire. Now look at verse 12 again. David also says that he wants God to teach him. He realizes that there are going to be things that only God can help him understand. So he is pleading with God to work with him and instruct him in what he needs to know. Then in verse 13, David says, he recited aloud all God's laws. He goes over them many, many times. He's not satisfied just reading them once and moving on. He wants to visit them again and again. Then in verse 15, David says he studies God's word. He reads it and then reflects for a while on what he's read, and he asks himself what those words meant to him. He thinks about how God interacted with some of the great men and women in the past. He thinks about the story of Moses and Abraham and Esther. He asks himself why God dealt with these people as he did and why he didn't do other things that he might have with them. Essentially, David takes the word of God and he turned it inside out, trying to find out what pleased God and what would make him a better servant for him. David did this because he knew that God had set up his word as a boundary marker, a landmark to help his people know what is right and what is true. Beloved, if you want to grow in your spiritual maturity, the word of God is where we begin. David wanted to know where the boundary markers were so that he could stay inside of God's will. And that's what we need to do with our lives as well, because those boundary markers are there to help protect us and the ones we love. But they're even important for the sake of people you don't even think about. People who watch you because they know you're a Christian, that you believe in God. They sense that if they watch you, they'll know where the markers are for themselves. My dad was really good at things like gardening and taking care of the lawn. In fact, I would say he was a student of those things because he was constantly reading and asking people who were successful in those areas what they were doing. Every year when it came time to plant, he had a good friend who he watched to see when he was planting his flowers and vegetables. Whenever that man planted, my dad did too. And when it came to taking care of the lawn, my dad had another good friend, right across the street in fact, and he watched him to see when he was going to fertilize and seed his lawn. Whenever the man fertilized and seeded, my dad did too. The point I'm trying to make here is that my dad did those things because he knew his friends were very, very wise. Similarly, there are people who watch you and me because they sense you know where God's will is, and they hope to please God in the same way. Harry Emerson Fosdick once told of a little church on the coast of England that was ruined in a hurricane. The congregation was not wealthy enough to rebuild, and they were in despair. Then one day a representative of the British Admiralty came to their preacher, 
He asked if the congregation intended to rebuild the church building. The preacher explained that they just didn't have the money. The representative of the British Navy said, well, if you don't rebuild the church, we will. That spire on top is on all of our charts and maps. It's a landmark by which our ships set their course. We need your church to help guide our way. Friend, the church is still the beacon today. It is still that very beacon and its foundation is Jesus Christ. And through it, his light shines for any and all to see. That light, the true pure light of Christ, is there to guide us and provide us boundary markers so that we can stay inside his will. Maybe you've been living outside the boundaries, outside of the Lord, in other words. Maybe you once lived within the boundaries, but have strayed outside the lines. Whatever and wherever you are today, beloved, Jesus is shining his light at you right now, wanting you to come to it, to the safety of his open arms. Won't you come? And all God's people said, Amen. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. Word of Hope Christian Church. Real people. A real God. Real hope.